Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Recorded live. Good morning. Good morning. We're going to be looking at this morning verses 9 through 12. Completion of um, my thoughts from last week. And then a few additional thoughts of following the passages. And this whole section has been just what we see there. Um, the Spirit bears witness. God's witness is greater. That's where we'll start today. Life without end in God's Son. Uh, there is so much, there isn't one word that doesn't hold profound meaning in, in, these, uh, in these verses. And they are written, as I've said, they have kind of a proverb feel. They just tell a story. They, they get you going and you just go on through because one thing builds on another, on another, on another. That's, it's inescapable wisdom from God. And if we follow along, we acquire that understanding ourselves. So the topic here that we're dealing with is the idea of faith in Jesus as the Christ that he was sent from God. You see, that that's the idea. Let's look at those verses again. I'm going to reread. It's 9 through 12. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he has witnessed concerning his Son. He that believes in the Son of God, has the witness in himself. He that does not believe has made him a liar, because he has not believed in the witness which God has witnessed concerning his Son. And this is the witness that God has given to us life eternal, and this life is in his Son. He that has the Son has life. He that has not the Son of God has not life. So true, so true. Now, we may have said something about this last week, but I'm going to say it again. Under the Jewish law, two or three witnesses bearing testimony was enough to convince those that would judge the situation 
uh, either yea or nay. So if we believe the witness and the testimony of men, why would we doubt their creator, God? That's a question, and I think it's a fair one to ask. Also, in, in, um, starting in verse 10, we have the idea of believe. Believe. And a lot of things hangs in, on, on the word, what that word really means. The power of that word. Um, we say it pretty lightly in our vernacular. We believe this, we believe that. And, and you know when we say we believe this or that, a lot of times it leaves an open air for maybe we don't really know. That's not what this word means here. That's not what was written in the Greek. He that believes in the Son of God has the witness that is a real substance within himself, powered by faith, if you will. And all of that brings a person that believes a real life, real life, not just a physical walking around life apart from God and virtually dead, but real life, real family, a family that is not just here now, but will always be. That's God's family. As we know, our families, they, uh, they, they grow and they shrink and things like that. They're temporal. Real salvation. The only way to be restored back to the Creator God. And all of this is in Christ alone. Now what does that, that word believe? It's believe in. Uh, as it's used with the preposition ice, believe in, uh, that's the way it should read in our Bible. That is, it, it's a very, very powerful word. It's into, implying direction. You see, this is a real movement towards the Son of God, isn't it? Towards the object of faith. You see, that's what happens when we believe in Christ. We are moving mentally and spiritually towards the object of faith, and that's Christ. Also, it also means to give oneself up to that object. That's called surrendering, surrendering ourselves to Christ. Surrendering, putting our will and let it be conformed to the will of God for us. Our real purpose. Our real purpose is to live with God for all eternity. Whatever that word means. That's his purpose. We need to make it ours and we do that by decision. On the other hand, the verse makes it very clear that for men anywhere that believe not the gospel concerning the Son of God, through all the witnesses of God himself, the Spirit, the water, the blood, 
all pertaining to Christ himself, then they have made God a liar by their rejection of what is so clearly presented to them. Oh, how how powerful on the other end of the scale that is. See how it comes down to what we believe, how big that word is? It was a lot, I was a Christian a lot of years before I really came to grips with that word belief. And that's why we can see that the idea of gray areas that people always talk about in religious circles, gray areas, limbo, that sort of thing, it doesn't exist. That doesn't exist in reality. We talk about it because we're trying to we're trying to deal with prob- we put problems in the gray area and hope that things work out. That's dangerous. If we are alive and breathing air, we need to reconcile our minds and our hearts to what God has clearly given us through his word. With good information from God's word, not from men's word, but from God's word. So there, there is no fence sitting. Now in verse 11, the idea of uh, eternal life or life eternal, however yours has it in there, is, is much better said in the other concept of, of abiding life or a constant life, uh, life never ending. Um, you know, this is what the apostles knew and that's what the Greek says in that verse. The apostles knew for certain because the Lord had instructed them and they knew that the idea of salvation brought life without end and a life that is lived with God, within the kingdom of God. These things are wonderful. So, um, in, in verse 12 again, let, let's hear that once once again. 5.12, 1 John 5.12. He that has the Son has life. He that has not the Son of God has not life. You know, we've been talking about life and, and, and light and fellowship and all of these things through 1 John, and we're going to, have uh, I'll bring a message that kind of hits the highlights of this one, but the conclusion of this this epistle. But these things just keep coming back to us, and we got to understand that this is life that really means something, because our life, a physical life, ends if we step out, not looking on the street, and get hit with a truck. That's life gone too. That's not what we're talking about here. Remember, life is in the blood. Remember in the Old Testament, God told Noah about the blood of the animals? Life is in the blood. And that's why there's restrictions concerning blood for, for humans. All right? Those restrictions are still in place. That thinking is still in place. The life is still in the blood. We can't see it, but we can know it. Because God has said so. Never-ending life is found only 
in the blood of Christ. We learn that in the New Testament. Nearly everywhere in the New Testament. And the blood of Christ brings us light and fellowship with him. Let's look again at at 1 John chapter 1. I keep coming back here because, um, as I said, one thing brings and builds on another. 1 John chapter 1. Oh, verses 6 and 7. There's nowhere to start or end, but I'll just break in here. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. We went over this, over this, and over this. And we know that fellowship with him is also, first of all, fellowship with the apostles' teaching and the apostles themselves. Before we have fellowship with God and his son, we need to understand that, and we do. We've heard it. But this idea of light, life, and fellowship, all of these things, have they have requirements. And the apostles have laid those requirements out very well. This is the apostles' doctrine. And it must be understood. Just as that word believe, the true, complete understanding of the word believe, as it is used in the New Testament, shatters the Calvinistic doctrines of predestination, predestined salvation for mankind. Because it brings it, it brings it home to you. There isn't anything other than you and God's word that brings this to you. There isn't any cosmic interference, I'll put it that way. So let me comment on on the text just a little. And with the premise that God's word is truth, and I think we can safely say that, I want to say this. God is saying in the witness he has provided in his word from the promises he made in Genesis and through the Old Testament to the fulfillment of those promises in the New Testament, all the way through till we read of the revelation provided to John the Apostle at the end of the New Testament. Within that period of time, all we need to come to a saving faith is found in those words. Now, many are going to tell you there's other things that happen or occur or you need. But I'm saying no. I'm saying no to that because the Bible doesn't teach that. I'm going to read two verses and I'll I'll show you where if there would have been something else, somebody should have said something. Let's go to the Gospel of John. Gospel of John, chapter 11. Just a couple of verses. This is, of course, uh, the account of 
of uh, Lazarus being raised from the dead. But before that happened, Jesus talked to Lazarus' sister. And I just love what he said here. And it sets a standard of thinking for us to know. 11.23. Jesus said unto her, that is Martha, Thy brother shall rise again. And Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth on me, though he die, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth on me shall never die. Believest thou this? And she said unto him, Yea, Lord, I have believed that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, even he that cometh into the world. I'll talk about that more just a little later. Did Jesus add anything else in here? I don't see any other requirements for what he said here. It's kind of hinged on believing on him, isn't it? Of course, if you believe on him, you'll believe what the apostles taught that brings us to salvation through obedience to the gospel. Yes. Into. Yeah. And then in Acts, real, you know, Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, Peter talking to the Jews on Pentecost. And they ask a question. After his lengthy sermon, which leaves no question in their mind that Jesus of Nazareth was certainly the Messiah of God, what is said? Peter continues here in verse 36. Let all the house of Israel therefore know assuredly that God hath made him that is Jesus, both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? Why can't we let the apostles tell us what to do without interfering with dissertations of theology what did Peter say to them and Peter said unto them repent ye and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and on it goes makes the person wonder why we're not satisfied with the accounts in Scripture. We can read all the accounts of conversions and preachings of the gospel, and we're going to find within those words the same thing that we should be doing to become a Christian. Is there something else any person needs to believe? That there is a God in heaven and that he sent his son to be the Savior? as he promised, so man may be reconciled back to him, God, through
through the blood of his Son, who is Christ our Redeemer? If there's something else, then why isn't it written in the Bible? I haven't found it. It's not there. It's not there. But it fills volumes of books and libraries across the, the, the world we live in. Now, if you were to read commentaries on these verses that we just read in 1 John chapter 5, the verses I read to start with, verses 9 through 12, then you would read that even though they agree with everything that is said concerning God's testimony being true and sure, they add in their commentary that there is something else that always happens to a person that has heard God's word or the gospel preached, even though it was confirmed in the, in the words of Scripture by the apostles. Now, they're always going to say there's something else. Now, this is their thinking, not mine. And I might, not have, I might have thought maybe there was if I hadn't read the Bible. But believe me, there's nothing else. But do you know what it is? You know what it is that that's something that they need, they, they, they say that you need to be fully uh, able to believe in their minds, not mine, or the Bible. Well, they say that, they say it's the spirit from heaven as an agent of God that zaps a person from above, to put it simply, so that you are totally convinced and you have the ability at that point then to make a decision of your own about concerning Jesus of Nazareth. Does anybody ever remember the account of Saul Saul of Tarsus when he was on and on the road to Damascus. Remember that account? Him and his compadres were, were going to Damascus. They were going to find the Christians up there and put them in prison. Remember what happened to Saul? A light from heaven stopped him in his tracks and he heard the Lord speaking. And the Lord told him a number of things. And then he told him to go to Damascus where he was heading and stay with a certain man and a few other things. But you know, Saul had a decision to make. He could have told when that light went away and when the, when the dust settled, he could have said, you know, I want to go back home. I can't see, I'm frightened, I want to go back home, I'm not going to Damascus. He had the ability to make that decision, friends, on his own, just as we all have the ability to make these decisions on our own. Instead, what did he do? He did just as the Lord had had told him to do. The Lord didn't force him, he didn't pick him up and put him in Damascus and put him in the house of Ananias, he told him to go there. And he was led by the hand into the city. 
I don't see any interference with a man's own ability to make a decision here. None. Now, he was certainly taught on the road by the bright light and the voice he heard. But if the folks that say there's something else we need to do, if they're right in their teaching, then why doesn't God do this for every person in the whole world? We should never know anyone that isn't a Christian, that doesn't believe in God. We shouldn't know anybody because isn't that what's being said? That so you can believe, according to these these other teachers, that you'll be cosmically convinced? Is that what happens? Now, there are people that say things such as that. But I've never known anyone to honestly tell me that is, is the case. And also, that would mean that God has just picked a few to be saved. Now, is that the God that is revealed in uh, 1 John or any place else in Scripture? I, I think not. That's, not. that's not how God operates. You see, there's something very wrong with their theology. There's something very wrong with much theology in the world because it doesn't fit with the Scriptures itself. What does it say in 1 John chapter 4, 8 about a number of Sundays ago? Talking about love. And, and the apostle says, He that loves not has not known God. Why is that? For God is love. Now isn't, isn't this true? Isn't God love? He is love, isn't he? I don't believe that even we would decide that just picking a few people for salvation, even though maybe everybody wants it, is the right thing to do. doesn't seem very loving, and I don't believe that's what happens. I know that's not what happens. The fact is this. God and his Son have done all that is necessary for you and I to believe and make a decision on our own. He's done all that's necessary. You think God would leave one thing out or two things out and then later on just decide to do something else to to help it along? I don't find that he does anything that way. All that is necessary for us to believe and make a decision on our own, to place our trust in Jesus, our trust in the faith of Christ, the gospel, to make our own decision that Jesus is our Lord and Savior. And this is what brings salvation. This is what brings it, is our decision concerning the faith. God has provided it. I know that I've known people and and have heard many people Say they're waiting for a sign, another sign, another a dream or a vision or something 
to give them some certainty that Jesus really is their Savior. I would encourage them to reread this Bible again to see if they haven't missed something they, they didn't know about. Because it's there, friends. It's there. God has given us from the very first men and women, from the very first ones, he's given each one of us the ability, apart from manipulation, from him or any other spiritual uh, being, to make decisions on our own. This I know. This I know. If I didn't believe that, I couldn't preach the word of God I wouldn't be a Christian, but I believe that. Now, Jesus asked the question of Martha. What did he say? Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he have died, shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And then he said, Believest thou this? You know, Martha had the right answer. Martha had the right answer. And what she said is what we need to understand and we need to say. Many of us here have said so. What did she say? Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, who should come into the world. She was saying a lot, wasn't she? This is Jesus of Nazareth. She probably knew the rest of the family. She'd been friends with Jesus for a number of of years, her and her other sister and her brother and the family. This is Jesus of Nazareth she's talking to. What did she say? I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, she was a Jewish woman. Did she know know what the Christ was? He was she did. The Redeemer. The anointed one. The promised Messiah to the Jewish people. We must make the most important decisions of our life. In this case, the most important decision on our own. It's on our own. Oh, we're encouraged. We're encouraged by the witness of God through his word and all that he has done. We're encouraged. We're encouraged by other people. But at the end of the day, we have to make the decision on our own in faith. You know why? Because this is what pleases God. This is how God knows that you truly Believe that he is and that he sent his son to save your sins. Take your sins away. But you'll never regret a positive decision towards Christ. You'll never regret it. Not now. Not ever. Not even until the extent of time uh, uh, forever and ever, as they say, 
The spirit world is not dictated in, in hours and minutes. But so this is a time of invitation. I, I grant this opportunity now for one to come uh, forward before this assembly and and utter those those good words of confession concerning their Lord and Savior. We have our song of invitation at this time. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 